0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to another in a series of podcasts at Heinz Reads, which you can find at wcclradio.com uh, slash podcast. Scroll down, you'll find Heinz Reads. Uh, another great guest joining me Today on the podcast at this particular time, Larry Millette, Larry, Hugh, you have probably read, if not at the uh, Pioneer Press of the St. Paul newspapers over the years, you probably have read him at Streetscapes in Star Tribune uh, just very recently on the story of the mansion that is no more. He's got a brand new book done by the University of Minnesota Press, and it is a fantastic story with so many great pictures and images that he was able to round up and capture. The story is called Metropolitan Dreams, The Scandalous Rise. In stunning fall of a Minneapolis masterpiece. Larry, hey, thanks for your time here on the podcast today. I hope people who have the same affinity for where we live that I possess, I hope that they will go look for this book and, and consider, you know, uh, buying it for themselves because you really put together a tremendous story about the, the, the individuals involved in building a building that was downtown Minneapolis. You and I have chatted in the past about other we buildings, have. about other buildings. Oh, and also your Sherlock Holmes series, your your mystery series set in Minnesota. Uh, a lot of us didn't know until you wrote it that Sherlock Holmes had a strong Minnesota connection. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. But, you know, first talk to me a little bit about your own personal affinity, because uh, you must have a great interest in these the, the architecture of these structures. Tell me a little bit about where that comes from and, and, and your, your connections, your feelings to these, in regards to these buildings.
1: Well, uh, of course, I grew up in Minneapolis and then uh, made the big move to St. Paul later on. But um, I went to school at Diel Cell in uh, the 1960s, and um, I pretty much went through the Gateway District, where the Metropolitan Building was, uh, every day on my way to school for four years, and I saw the, the old Gateway as it existed, and I saw the new Gateway as it became um, during that period. And so uh, uh, I think it was a. a kind of an out-of-school education for me uh, about uh, historic preservation, about uh, historic buildings. I'd always been interested in architecture as a kid and design, and uh, so I I had the opportunity to sort of see firsthand what was happening in Minneapolis. Not all of it good, I might add. The the Metropolitan Building, oh, there's so many great aspects to this story
0: uh, involving the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Building uh, to later become the Metropolitan Building. You know, and I I think when you and I have spoken before, uh, it, even though I was alive when that building was still standing, I have no vivid memory because it came down in what, 1960, 61, in that era? Yeah, 61, yep, 61, yeah, 60, 61, 62, yep. Yeah, and and I was, and, uh, I'm a little bit younger than you are, but I didn't have the same vivid connection that you had to like, um, you know, Nicollet Island and in and, and the Gateway District, but I do remember driving through through uh, driving down Washington Avenue, and my mother, you know, referring to Skid Row, which you reference in the book several times, and saying, This is where you kids are going to end up. And it's just like, Well, thanks for the encouraging words, Mom. But, yeah. so when, when I, for me, when I read Metropolitan Dreams, I have these connections to all these places and you take us through it street by street, intersection by intersection. I mean, until I retired from full time radio, I worked just two blocks from where the Metropolitan Building, you know, was was located
1: before they tore it down. Yeah, you were you were close there because uh, it was at uh 3rd Street and 2nd Avenue South, so you were just a few blocks away and in the old Elks Hall by the way was where CCO Radio was uh located for years. Um so yeah, it was a, it was a famous building, um remarkable for its great interior atrium or or light court as they called it in the day and um Famous for its ironwork, its glass floors, uh, just a, a, a remarkable building, and one that uh, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why they tore it down and. To this day, <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Well,
0: you know, if you read the introduction, all you got to do is start with the introduction. And it was a custodian, the building, who said, they will damn us, they will. <laughs> and I think that was over the discussion of tearing the building down because it was so many of these buildings, Larry, um, were, were art. They were they were not just buildings. They were art.
1: They were, and, and the Metropolitan certainly was, um, I think, one of the most uh, significant office buildings of its era in the United States. Uh, really a unique design in a lot of respects. Not The light court wasn't unique, but... The way everything was put together was unique, and it was considered the grand building in Minneapolis when it was built. It was really the building that Minneapolis said, we have come of age, we've built this wonderful skyscraper, you know, a city that was a pretty small town in the 1870s, and by 1890, when the Metropolitan Building opened, it was uh, it was a major city. And I mean, the city had grown that quickly.
0: Chatting with Larry Millette, and we're talking about his book, Metropolitan Dreams, the Scandalous Rise and Stunning Fall of a Minneapolis Masterpiece, and as as you take us through the book, you take us through the growth of the Twin Cities, of the growth of Minneapolis uh, and these other things along the way. And that in itself, uh, you just must be an incredible researcher.
1: Well, I've done a lot of research over the years. You know, the Metropolitan Building was on the cover of Lost Twin Cities. Uh,
0: oh yeah. <laughs> out, uh, let me pause, pause for a moment, because let me tell yeah. people they, they if they're not familiar with the, the the video presentation of Lost Twin Cities, as I recall, narrated by the late Dave Moore. Um, um, it. But but there there's lots of references to the uh, to the Lost Twin Cities, and you, uh,
1: that you that was all you that was all you that was all you doing that that was my book yep came out in 1992 and I'm proud to say it's still in print (laughs) after 27 years which is um, which is a good thing I guess and um, yeah uh, that was a book that I I really tried to Bring together a lot of the bits and pieces of uh, vanished places and buildings in the Twin Cities, and the Metropolitan Building is on featured on the cover of that book uh, because I thought of all the buildings that were gone, it was really the the one that pretty much everybody would like to have back, and, um, and I still feel that way. Uh, well, so let I, me, I get the occasion,
0: uh, get the opportunity on occasion, I should say, to work in the Lumber Exchange Building. Is that the yeah. last remaining building that would might That might might closely be a a shadow or uh, whatever. The Lumber Exchange building is on Hennepin Avenue and uh, Fifth, Fifth in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, And it's referred to oftentimes as um, the the first skyscraper built west of the uh, of the Mississippi, I think. But is that the last shadow of something like the Metropolitan Building that people wanted to see what you were referencing when you wrote about the Metropolitan Building?
1: Um, it's not the last, but it's one of the last, and actually it precedes. It was built uh, before the Metropolitan Building. Right, it's one of the, yeah, 1886, and it is one of the, I just read somewhere that somebody said it's the tallest, the oldest 12-story building in the United States outside of New York City. Uh, which could be true. (laughs) It's it's very old. Uh, But if you actually want to see a a sense of the Metropolitan Building, uh, your best bet is probably the Pioneer Building in St. Paul, Ah. its still has its light court. Uh, But it's not nearly as grand as the light court in the Metropolitan, but that is the building that most closely probably resembles it today. Before
0: we talk about the architect who built um what we became the uh the the ultimate building there of the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Building. Um tell me a little bit about the guy who had the dream or the vision to have a building for his business like that. And and that was it is am I saying the name correct? Is it Minaj? Is that
1: Yes. Yep, Louis Minaj and he was um a New Englander of French extraction, uh who uh grew up in uh, Massachusetts, came out to Minnesota at a very young age, um and parlayed pretty much nothing into uh, a very a very successful company um called the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Company in the eighteen eighties. Uh the problem was that the company was basically, as far as I can tell, a giant Ponzi scheme.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when I'm when I'm reading <laughs> when I'm reading about Minaj, I'm thinking so many others that you and I have both known that have been in the news more recently, it's just like really this is the same
1: story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's an old story. Yeah, it really is in, in the United States and yeah, he he had this company that uh let's just say they they were built on a lot, a lot of leverage. And, um, they, very successful company, it, it seemed like on paper. And, uh, and they built this very expensive building, uh, as their headquarters. And three years after it was built, there was the, came the Great Depression of 1893, which was the worst depression in American history up until that time. And Minaj's company went belly up in a flash. <laughs> the, the bill suddenly came due. And, uh, he eventually fled not only Minneapolis, but the United States, and uh, ended up spending several years as a coffee broker in Guatemala, among other things. So it's a great story. He was uh, quite the character.
0: Well, you do a great job, too, with all the backstories of all of these characters, including the architect, the architect coming here from, I think, most directly from Milwaukee. And it's amazing how he fell into favor with so many people of influence here Um, for very, Various, you
1: know, for various projects around the area. Yeah, he did, and it, and it's uh, it is interesting. He was from Milwaukee. Townsend Mix was his name, and he had. Been very successful there, but he was kind of running out of steam, and somehow or other he hooked up with William Washburn of Minneapolis, of the Washburn Crosby Company fame, uh, and the builder of the Sioux Line Railroad, among other things, and he designed Washburn's huge mansion at Fair Oaks Park in Minneapolis, uh, called Fair Oaks, where that park is today was, was where Washburn's mansion and grounds were, and that was his first big uh, commission in uh, Minneapolis, and he started des- designing skyscrapers for the globe newspapers and a number of other projects, and he got the big commission uh, to do the Metropolitan Building, the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Building, and then he promptly died. He had tuberculosis, and he was dead within four months of the time that the uh, the building was completed.
0: Well, there's so many different aspects of this when we get to your your focus on the Gateway Park um, which was was literally Skid Row. I mean, you'd, there's a great yeah, image of, of people just I don't know, just sleeping, passed out in various states or whatever, because uh, they had nowhere else to go in 1937. Here was one yeah. of the fun things, though, about reading about Minaj that I laughed out loud, and <laughs> uh, and I apologize was that with the fact that his um, board of directors. Um, many of whom did not know that they were on the board, <laughs> yes, <laughs> including George yes. <laughs> Pillsbury, who I think, I was I, I recall reading, he had to sue to have
1: himself removed from the board. Yes. Although, you know, you, you, you read stories like that and you wonder, well, maybe he did really know, but he decided that he didn't know after, uh, when yeah. uh, I started having his troubles, but yes, there were, he apparently, Minaj was one of these guys who, you know, uh, had a way of uh drawing in people whether they knew it or not and uh he was fast and loose with the facts shall we say. Yeah. Well do you think do you think that today
0: that the Metropolitan building, uh the, the, the guarantee uh loan building, the metropolitan building, do you think it would be torn down today?
1: No, um, it wouldn't have been. And uh, I believe, had it lasted just another 10 years, if they had just left it alone, because it was doing all right, it wasn't losing money. It was a pretty well occupied building, it had owners who wanted to keep it. But it lasted another 10 years. By that time, uh, in the 70s, think of what happened to Landmark Center in St. Paul. There would have been um, plenty of. People interested in in uh, restoring it, I think today it would be it could be a boutique hotel, it could be a office building with a lot of wealthy lawyers in it, uh, it could be residential apartments. Who knows? But there definitely would have. Uh, I think it definitely would have been preserved and beautifully restored, and and it, and it wouldn't required a vast amount because the building was remarkably intact when they tore it down. I mean, it had the original elevator; the original hydraulic elevators were still running, uh, you know, um, seventy years after it was built. So it was it was it was a well built building. They will damn us. They will. <laughs> they, um, they will. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, and 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 for me. I would love to see that today. I I don't know if I... I don't think I have quite the same ardent, um, you know, love for these places that you do, that you sound like you do have, but I would still like to see that today. Um, and, and as I mentioned, every time I go into the Lumber Exchange Building, um, yeah. now, now, especially after reading Metropolitan Dreams, the scandalous rise and stunning fall of a Minneapolis masterpiece, uh, it just... It's it's truly a great and amazing story. I encourage people who have any appreciation for where we live, I encourage them to to get a copy of this book and read this book, and then follow up with Lost Twin Cities, and just for fun, follow up with so many of the mysteries from from Larry Millette. the the Sherlock Holmes mysteries. Um, oh, what was the most recent one? The um, um, the Eisenhorn Eisenor- y- Enigma. Yeah, you and I spoke about that uh, yeah. when that one was out when I was still on the radio full time. Yes, um, yes, we did. Yep. What's What's next, Larry? I don't think you're you're not sitting still. <laughs> no,
1: I'm actually working on a contemporary mystery novel, my first one, and I hope to have that out later this year. Uh, we'll see how things go. It's called Pineland Serenade, and uh, it's a kind of an offbeat uh, mystery novel set in east central Minnesota. So uh, that's what's coming up next. And if people go to startribune.com
0: and just search under the search Larry Millette, you'll find so many. Uh, uh uh including very recent one in january on streetscapes that mansion story uh that you the, wrote about the mansion yep. yeah yeah d- d- do you do you feel that those would still be here today if they had lasted a little bit longer
1: um possibly uh mansions are are tough and and they especially the big houses are are hard to maintain if they're not you know on a place like summit avenue um but some of them, yes, definitely. I think had they lasted another, especially the ones that went down in the 50s and 60s, if they had somehow survived a few more years, they might well have ended up being preserved. Do you drive through town and go, that would have been, that
0: that building that used to be there was cool. That one was great. Oh, that one yeah. was wonderful. Yeah,
1: drive, <laughs> I used to drive my kids crazy, so I don't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> but yes, I can pretty much tell you what was on uh, every block uh, in downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul at one time or the other.
0: Yeah, well, you and, because I should point this I saw when you were a part of the St. Paul newspaper organization. Um, was it um, um, uh, your, your collaborator, uh, Box? Um, Box- oh, Don Boxmeyer. Don yeah. Boxmeyer um, wrote some great stories there too, as well. So, yeah, yep. yeah. Hey, it thank you, a lot of fun. Thank you for keeping those things alive in our memories. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you. It
1: was fun to talk with you.
0: Metropolitan Dreams is the latest book. It is worth a read if you have any pride in where you live today uh, here in the Twin Cities area, uh, you need to read this book from Larry Millette. Thanks. We'll chat again soon, I hope. Okay. Good to talk to you. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to another in a series of podcasts that I call Heinz Reads. You can find them at WCCLradio.com on the podcast page. If you'd like to offer any suggestions, ideas, even criticisms, you can write to me at John dot Heinz, that's H-I-N-E-S at entercom.com Stay tuned and check back for more author interviews at Heinz Reads. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.